Early comic book heroes were not about life as it is, but creations of how a man with a clear understanding of right and wrong and more courage chose to act, even if branded an outlaw. He dispensed a better justice than a pervading legal moral one. He was a moral avenger. He was not like everyone else, not the average, the common, or the ordinary man. He was the exceptional one, the uncommon one, the one doing what others were unwilling to do, regardless of the opposition and consequences to himself. His success provided a better model. Through a hero, one could identify the foolish, the corrupt, and the guilty. A lead character can be better or worse than society's best model. And if a man with proven better qualities appears, then a new measuring standard for men and society is established. A hero is a model for everyone, but not everyone is willing to act at his best. A less demanding model, blending good and bad, is more comforting, easier to accept. For the self-flawed, an anti-hero provides a heroic label without the need to act better. A crooked cop, a flawed cop, is not a valid model of a good law enforcer. An anti-cop corrupts the legal good, an anti-hero corrupts the moral good. Both corrupt ideals. Both choose the flaw over the perfect. The perfect is identified and measured by what is possible to man. A perfect bowling score. A perfect response accepts the truth and rejects the lie. The perfect hero on principle says yes to a true identity and no to a contradictory one. Ruled by justice, he treats every identity as it deserves. He is the actualized potential for good in its purest form, a true moral measuring ruler. He is the most human and deserving of respect. Today's flawed superheroes are superior in physical strength, but common, average, ordinary in mental strength. Rich in superpowers, but bankrupt in reasoning powers. They are perfect in overcoming the flawed supervillains, saving the world, the universe, yet help us to solve their common, ordinary, average personal problems. It is like creating a perfectly physical adult with the reasoning limits of a six-year-old. The creators of flawed ideals believe that no real difference exists between a flawed hero and a flawed villain. Both have some good and some bad in them, so they blend into a grayness where no one is better than anyone else, and where the worst can justifiably claim that he is as good as, as gray as the best. If it is impossible to know what is true and to do what is right, then the flaw, the worst, will be the new standard of good. Man will be defined as a flawed, anti-rational animal, and all that corrupts and harms life will be the new virtues. Like deliberately flawed eyesight, where self-blindness is the ideal, anti-life behavior will be the new standard for living. The resentment against the perfect hero is a resentment against A is A, against the integration of truth and behavior, against the non-contradictory identity of a moral ideal, against reality and life's measuring ruler, a rational moral standard. Back. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a somewhat somber Back to the Bins. I'm Paul Spataro. I'm here with Dr. Bill Robinson. Hello, everyone. That is the somber Dr. Bill Robinson. And we are somber because about a week ago we learned that Steve Ditko passed away. Little by little, all, all you know, 
with we're hearing about these deaths of a, a lot of our childhood comic book heroes. And uh, I don't know to what extent Ditko is one of yours, but he has been one of mine. Uh, not not the way Kirby or Romita or Neil Adams are, in a very different way. Kind of just knowing what to what extent he had his hands into Spider-Man. And I'm going to stick it really there, as much as I've enjoyed other things that he did. Spider-Man is my all-time favorite comic book character. So knowing, you know, what mm-hmm. what he had to do with it, the, you know, uh, there is some debate on what he had to do with the creation of the character because at least the stories I've heard indicated that they had kind of gone with Jack Kirby and then they decided Kirby wasn't correct for it and then they went over to Ditko. So that one, I, at least the initial creation, I kind of tend in my mind to give more credit to Stan for the idea. But then did go from everything I can pick up, fleshed out that idea. Yeah, because, I mean, it's a, you know, back then they didn't. Well, was there really many uh, um, single creators of, you know, that were artists and writers back then? Actually, in the earlier days, that was more common. But not with the Marvel method. I don't think in, in, the, in the Marvel, uh, you know, starting with Fantastic Four number one, you know, I think Stan had his fingers in most things. And, I, you know, I've heard some mm-hmm. debates on the level to which he did, the level to which the artists did. Clearly, the artists were very, very involved in everything. And, you know, I, I wouldn't want to discount any contribution. But, I, you know, I think people who tend to discount Stan's contribution, you know, are, are doing him a disservice as well. So I, I like to think it's a collaborative effort, and you know, people can argue differently. I saw a video of Alan Moore talking about it, and he was really blasting Stan, saying, you know, everything, everything was Ditko, everything was Kirby, you know, Stan was just like a hack that went in and just added some of the dialogue. Uh, and I, I really just, you know, I never really cared for Alan Moore on a personal level because I always found him to be obnoxious and too full of himself. And this just added to that for me. I, I found it very, very irritating, and I, I shut it off halfway through. But I, I just, you know, mm. I've I've long said that if you look to Ditko in the early work, in the 60s, you know, his work on Spider-Man, his work on Doctor Strange, uh, and then, you know, you can go to other things, uh, you know, Hawk and Dove or Blue Beetle and that kind of thing. If you look at it, he really was, in my opinion... Uh, a master of mood, shadows, things like that. Uh, his art did have a tendency to veer a little bit more to the cartoony sometimes. And I've said many times, I think a big problem is when he had the wrong anchors, uh, especially later in his career when I felt like anchors were kind of afraid to put too much of their own stamp on things. And if the anchors just tended to outline, you know, darken the lines, then it almost created like a coloring book type image, but when they added the shadows where the shadows should be, it it really was tremendous stuff, and there's a lot of Spider-Man stuff that fills the bill for that, and I think we could have picked a Spider-Man book to cover today, because the work he did there is just tremendous. Well, Bill suggested, and I, I agree with Bill, that 
everybody's covering Spider-Man. So oh, oh, I'm going to isolate that. I agree with this Bill. one time. Oh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Darn. No, no, no. I can edit and isolate but, that. Uh, I, I, I tend to agree that Spider-Man is not that I mind covering that stuff. I love it. But, you know, there's going to be a lot of that right now, I think. So uh, we went off of that and uh, we took a, I, I took a, a a Strange Tales Doctor Strange book, and I, I it took me a little time to pick it because I wanted to get one that had a little bit of that surreal. Yeah, I, I like to get the some of the surreal picked. artwork in yeah. it that he's famous for, uh, and I also wanted to get some that that just where I thought the artwork on faces and everything was not that cartoony look. I wanted to some, get something that truly demonstrated, you know, how how good an, an artist he really was. So I looked over about five or six issues before I found one that seemed trippy enough to fit the bill. Uh, and then you wanted to move on to a DC book so that we're just not all Marvel centric. And where'd you, where'd you go, Bill? Uh, I wanted to find something that he had he had created in DC because I just wasn't familiar with his his um, you know what what he had done at that you know there. Uh, so I did some digging and found out that he was co-creator of The Creeper. So I went with Showcase 73, which is the first appearance of The Creeper. Showcase 73 has a cover date of April of 1968, and Strange Tales is 65. So what we're going to do is we're going to try and kind of give this a little bit of the Avengers spotlight treatment. We're just going to read some very short synopsises, and then we're going to go through a little bit of page by page on it. Um, so Strange Tales, number 138, was the one I picked, which is the book that introduces the concept of eternity as a physical being. And the cover of it is a Nick Fury cover. So I think on the <laughs> actual... On, on the page that I put, you know, on, on Facebook for it, I think I'm going to take a page of the inter, uh, some of the internal art and use that instead of the cover, which is what I normally do. Um, but anyway, the synopsis of this one, let's see. It came out in November of 1965. It is written and edited by the incredible Stan Lee, plotted and illustrated by Invincible Steve Ditko, lettered and bordered by the indelible Sam Rosen. And the synopsis reads as follows. Traveling to Eternity's realm, Doctor Strange comes face to face with the living embodiment of Eternity. Strange asks the being to grant him the power to defeat Dormammu and save his master. However, after much consideration, Eternity decrees that Strange needs no additional power as he has the means to defeat Dormammu on his own. Traveling back to Earth's dimension, Doctor Strange learns that Baron Mordo has kidnapped the unconscious body of the Ancient One and transported him to the Dark Dimension and is now being held hostage along with Clea. Strange is then told to duel Mordo for their freedom. And that's the whole synopsis. It's a relatively short book. I think, just going into quickly the storyline, I know... uh, Ditko is famous for having been a follower of Ayn Rand, and I've never read anything by Rand, uh, but I think one of the things in there is, uh, I think one of the concepts that he pushed was 
being self-sufficient and that you have the strength within you, which kind of goes to this story a little bit. Mm. So I, I found that a little interesting, if, if my understanding of Rand is correct. I had a friend of mine that read uh, Atlas Shrugged. That's all I got to yeah, say Yeah, I mean, it's that. not something I've ever read. <laughs> I, I just I've heard read it through, it. <laughs> you know, people talking about it is all I know. I was like, Atlas Shrugged, dude. Is that about the guy that's that was holding up the earth? In my mind. Hmm? I'm always picturing it as, you know, as fiction as opposed to uh, something with it, you know, talking about concepts of life. But anyway, so the first page, the uh, splash page on this starts out really interesting right from the start. It's got Doctor Strange standing on uh, a mountaintop with uh, a, a, an amulet of some sort. A magic amulet, but it's like life-sized, so it's creating a portal for him to walk through. So, which you know what? That's uh, that's so very much what they did in the movies. I mean, it's kind of like they took that that mm-hmm. that concept. Uh, you know, the where he would where they would open a doorway and just step through. Only not to the uh, land of eternity. Well, no, no. They just step so, through. So yeah, it's they kind of go. split into three spots. This splash, it's got the first one where it has him standing on the mountaintop at the amulet portal. Then it has him stepping through the portal, but as he's stepping through, it looks like all the background is disappearing. So it's pretty much white, except for just a little bit of the mountaintop that's below him. And then the third portion mm-hmm. of it is the mountaintop with a glow where the amulet was, but nothing else there. It's kind of kind of trippy Oof. right off the bat. Then, mm-hmm. then he... Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. then the next page is super trippy. That's the one many people have well, we probably seen. We go right seen. through to what is typical Ditko-esque. You know, Kirby was famous for Kirby Tech and all of that, but Ditko was famous for his uh, tri- tri- trippy, sp- out of spacey, just weirdness. Yeah, but it's not uh, really it, outer space. Yeah, other it's just dimensional. Like dimensional travel, inner. Yeah. yeah he, like if anybody has seen, um, well, much like with the Doctor Strange movie and kind of what we saw just recently in uh, Ant Man and the Wasp when the, with the quantum realm so. type stuff. Oop, I might oop, see sorry. Okay. <laughs> anyway, okay. Uh, he comes through, I guess, and he, now he's standing on this globe with these protuberances and uh, to, to the. Looks like a giant Sandsburg gone wrong. Just different things going on. There's like looks like a pillar of smoke. It looks like a crystal pillar. Uh, there's starscapes. There's ellipses. Starscapes there's, there's and all Hutch. sorts of things going on, and it's it's very trippy, but not you know it's not like you look at it and like I can't figure out what's going on here. It's just you know it's him standing among a trippy kind of area. That's all. And then he's. There's a whole He's lot of stuff going on. He's says, one star gleaming more brightly than all the rest seems to be beckoning to me. I have no choice but to follow it and hope it will lead me to him who, whom I seek. Shouldn't be it. Like, how do you know eternity's well, him? I guess it's, uh, it's a byproduct of the 1960s. That's kind of sexist. Oh, sorry. That's the way I'm looking at it. <laughs> So he, you know, we we continue on the story, and he's walking along, and just ev- everywhere he goes, it's just like this other dimensionally trippy kind of area. And I, you know, well, we, we're dude. gonna have to try and post a couple of images from this on Facebook. But uh, this, 
Ah, uh, we don't have to. Kurt will take possibly. care of that for us. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say that? And, uh, you know, things just get trippier and trippier, and then there's uh, a light with what appears to be like a universe within it, and it just starts to form and grow. There's a light over at Eternity's place. That You're not a Rocky Horror fan, are you, Paul? Never mind. So, Moving uh, on. It, it kind of morphs into the image of eternity, and I don't know if everybody's familiar with the image of eternity, but uh, it's kind of the large silhouette of what would appear to be kind of a robed person. And you know what it looks like? It looks like the, the watcher pulling a practical joke. <laughs> That's the watcher. He just put some weird stuff around his head, used this, you know, magical cloak and he's, he's punking Dr. Strange. Well, That's there's what there's all sorts of star fields and everything within him. And then you just see kind of a half face in there. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, very, very, just you know, very again, uh, for lack of a better word, very trippy. And there's you know an image there, a full page splash of Doctor Strange standing before that personification of Eternity, and he says, "I am Eternity. Heed my message and remain silent, for none may speak when I am present. You are the second mortal to stand before me. The first was he whom you serve, known to you as the Ancient One. It was him I gave the magic amulet and power it contains." So now he says, you know, none seek eternity unless they seek power. And he is then basically scanning Strange to see if he's worthy. And I think it's a pretty cool image. On the, there's a, when he starts scanning him, the, the, the full body shot of Doctor Strange. The, with yeah. the green circles going around him? I think, you know, th- I think yeah. that is a demonstrative of the fact that Ditko wasn't all cartoonish, that he did have you know, a feel for anatomy and for being able to, to draw the human figure. You know. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, especially with yeah, with the figure you're discussing with Strange has his fingers splayed out on one hand and the other one, he just has them... Yeah, he, he was really good at the human anatomy. And he could draw feet. Ooh, take that, Rob Liefeld. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm not comparing Rob Liefeld to Steve Ditko. <laughs> Just not happening. <laughs> so Eternity scans him and then says, Enough, I have learned what I sought. The Ancient One proved his wisdom when he chose you, such as you, for his disciple. You, know, you seek great additional power so that you may defeat the threat of Baron Mordu and the Dread Dormammu, and I have learned by probing your brain... For if they are not stopped, the Ancient One will be will die, and all mankind will be in jeopardy. But hold, I may speak no more. And he goes away. <laughs> Wait. Okay, but you go back, what? Go back, uh, go back one panel. Didn't he suddenly become Glenda the Good Witch of the South? Or North, whatever. Because he's like, oh, you've had, you've had the power all along within you, Dorothy Strange. It's <laughs> like, what? Yeah, tell me anything. I'll click my magical boots and go home. Yeah, well, he's, you know, he, he well, he, it's not, I mean, if you go forward, uh, Eternity returns and says, you will now return from whence you came. There are world-shaking matters I must attend to, which is just kind of like, you say, ooh, what's that all about? But as for the power you desire, it must be denied to you, and that's where he becomes Glenda. 
You already po- you already possess the oh, means this is where to defeat okay, your foes. Yeah. Power is not the only answer. Events have occurred which require a key, and wisdom is that key. Now depart. I shall say no more. So Strange leaves, and there's another... And, it, and his Strange leaves, and he comes back again. Psych! Oh, when, he, when he leaves, there's another nice <laughs> close-up of his face at the bottom of that page. Yeah, yeah, with his hair blown to, to the side. Mm-hmm. And then he, he returns yeah. to his... Uh, well, I guess it's not the Sanctum Sanctorum. It's some sort of cave. But he had a bed there for the, for the Ancient One. Well, maybe that's where the Ancient One was... was Chillaxin. But he's gone. So and some uh, some of Mordru's, or Mordo, excuse me, his his flunkies have their astral bodies there. And they beckon Strange to follow him. Yeah, they were weird. So Strange, Strange starts coming over to Baron Mordu and a TV set with, Doc, with Dread Dormammu on it. Don't you mean Dormammu? Yeah. Sorry, that's and what I've always Dormammu thought. has uh, dictated <laughs> that the Ancient One is to be kept alive for the time being, uh, I guess so as to make Strange even more upset by what's going on. And he's got Clea in some yeah. sort of a mist. He, he's apparently in another dimension, Dormammu. So, yeah, and he's got his little uh, two-way view screen, so he can look in and they can so see we him. Come to his dimension, where we see he's got clear in a in a globe of some sort. It's like a giant transparent and then we soccer get the ball. Confrontation to end this short story of Strange showing up in Mordo's, I guess, home or whatever it is that he's in. It says, uh, "Take me to the Ancient One. If he has been harmed, then I swear by the Shades of Seraphim." And Mordor's a silent, <clears throat> defeated one. It is we who give the orders here. You have played your final gambit. The game is lost. And Dormammu says, We meet again, mortal, and this time you shall not escape, Dormammu. It is I who am the power, and you who are the prey. As surely as the twelve moons of Munapur gleam with their eternal mystic light, your startled senses will reel in wonderment when, nec- when you behold our next chapter, Dr. Strangeface's doom. Well, I guess that's not coming from Dormammu, that part. Till then, may oh, the well, am- yeah, an amulet never tarnish. So is he facing Doom, or is he facing Doctor Doom? <gasps> but this this is, you know... Well, he would do that years know, this later. This is the era of the split book, so the other half of the book is uh, Nick Fury, which we're not going to cover. Uh, but for such a short mm-hmm. story, and so I guess it's ten pages of story... We were introduced to some cool concepts. Uh, the artwork is, I think, terrific. Um, you know, the, the, just the whole storyline is, is pretty cool. It builds up to the point where you want to read the next issue. And that's, you know, that's, I think, the prime thing is to, to make you want to keep reading, you know, more and more. So I, I think this this was mm-hmm. a pretty solid one. Like I said, I did I did search a little bit to yeah. try find one that I want you know that I thought the artwork was truly demonstrative of uh, of Ditko's presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've I think we've looked at a few other books here and there, or at least I, I have of Do- Doctor Strange that were written or uh, drawn by other artists, but they still follow that kind of Ditkoverse Ditko-esque. 
look to when he does some of his travels through 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 other dimensions or casting spells and such. You know that that's always seemed to kind of stick stick with the character. So that'll be a you know like a long term legacy at least for this character and mm-hmm. and and for others. Yeah, but it, it's definitely I think it's definitely good examples of just the way Ditko would just create. Like Kirby would, would would do with his tech, he would do that with his, like, yeah, it was magic. magic realms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interdimensional <laughs> brouhaha. So, before we move on to uh, <laughs> the next one, you want to uh, you want to rate it? Yeah. Well, we don't. Yeah, the cover really is the unrelated cover. to the I mean, story, so I'm not going to rate that, but. Uh, I'm I'm giving the artwork an A. I think it's really solid. I think it's uh, you know again the word I just keep using over and over again is trippy, but I think it's fitting. Uh, and I mm-hmm. uh, I'm gonna give the story I'm gonna give the story an A. I was I was thinking I might go for B plus because because it's so sp- well with ten, 10 pages it moves along fast. There's not really a lot of I mean there's some exposition, but it's not I mean. Yeah, I, I'd have to yeah, give I was, it an A. I was thinking of giving it lower. And the art an A. Because, so, you know, not that much happens. And then I realized, again, it's only 10 pages. You didn't have that much room to do that much. And all things considered, I think with 10 pages, it's 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 a really good story. And like I said, it makes you want to. It, yeah. it builds it up to the point where you're like, okay, what's going to happen next issue? I, you know, I accept what. Eternity has indicated that he has the strength within him because it's a comic book. Of course he does. But how is he going to do it? Mm-hmm. How is he going to feed these two more powerful people? And that's, which, which is yeah, smart. Brainy. His brain. <laughs> Dr. Brain. Dr. Strange Brain. Anyways, so that's our first book. That was Ooh. fairly quick, fairly brief, but that's fine. Why don't we uh, Why don't we move on oh, yeah. to the creeper? All right. Well, our next book uh, is the. Uh, I almost said the creeper, but you've actually done this first. Uh, what did, did you do? I'm pretty did sure you do to be beware, beware the, the creeper. creeper? One a while back, a couple of years ago. Right. Well, this is actually. Uh, the title of the story is Beware the Creeper, the Coming of the Creeper, and it was in Showcase number one, Showcase volume one, number 73, uh, from March 1968. And our cover, writers, cover artist is Steve Ditko, and we have the character, the Creeper. Uh, there's a billboard in the background that says Beware the Creeper, Wanted by the Police. And then below that is like a like remnants of a newspaper or like a post building floating in the air, and it says "Wanted by the Underworld: The Creeper, one hundred thousand dollars, one hundred thousand dollars, <laughs> dead." And uh, for anyone who's not familiar with the character, of the Creeper is basically the first time I th- saw him when I was younger. I thought he was some strange derivative of the Joker. Because he's laughing maniacally, and a big head of green hair, uh, exaggerated features, uh, eyebrows, smile on his face, but his skin appears to be all yellow. 
um, and or it's just a skin tight yellow bodysuit, uh, green trunks, red gloves, some type of weird hairy looking flowing cape behind him, and red boots. Uh, what do you think of <laughs> that? I always liked the character of the Creeper. I, I can't say I've read a tremendous amount, but I've always been, uh, you know, I've always just enjoyed reading it. I know uh, in, when the Joker had his initial solo book, I think it ran nine issues, and uh, you know, that was like in the mid-70s, and one of the issues actually had him facing off against the Creeper. Hmm. Hmm. He probably wasn't too happy thinking he was stealing his uh He's stealing my shit, man. His gig. What are you doing, man? So uh the I have a I got it I gotta hear, I swear. Such professionalism. And the I have a quick synopsis for the story. Oh, it was written written by Steve Ditko. Uh oh yeah, so he's the he is the co writer with Don Siegel. Pencils, Steve Ditko. Ink, Steve Ditko. Uh, editor is Murray Boltonoff. And the synopsis is this. Jack Ryder, former TV host turned network security investigator, is assigned to investigate the case of Professor Yatz. Yatzi. Oh, sorry. A scientist captured by criminals and about to be turned over to communist spies for, shi- for shipping back to the Soviet Union. Maybe they'll use FedEx. Since the place where Yats is being held is throwing a costume party, Ryder buys a costume made of odds and ends, including a green wig and a red sheepskin cape. Oh, so that's what he's wearing. He finds Yaz, but not before getting cut in the stomach by a knife. Yats, Yats, Yatsy heals his wound with a special formula of his devising and plants in the wound an activator whose mate the costume Ryder has in his hand. The activator allows Ryder the ability to dematerialize or rematerialize his costume at the twist of a dial. The professor's formula also energizes him physically. Yats is shot dead, but Ryder in costume defeats the hoods and spies. In the process, he is branded falsely as a crook and becomes wanted by both the police and underworld under the name of the Creeper. You know, I maybe it was in later books. Didn't the creeper become somewhat of a supernatural character too, or am I just totally uh, confused? I think it was more like kind of pretending to be supernatural, I, but I could be wrong. I, uh, I, you know, like I said, I, I'm a fan of the character, but I haven't, I can't say I've read a tremendous amount. Especially, you know, this, this is one of my problems hmm. with the fact that you know my focus is on the '60s, '70s, and '80s is the things that happened in the 90s and the early 2000s, uh, a lot of that stuff, I don't even know what happened. <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about. I wasn't even conscious. Uh, I had kids, a lot of things going on. It's a little bit of John Travolta there. So a lot we, of things going on. <laughs> I'm a creeper, yeah, yeah. Who? Who? I'm going to creep. <laughs> 
Uh, and our opening page says, Beware the Creeper. The world has more than its share of troublemakers, tormentors, and terrorists, and perhaps not quite enough forces of courage, strength, and justice to combat them. But now, a new force against evil is about to make its presence felt. A unique power embodied in a remarkable character and dedicated to the feet of the destroyers. A, man's, a man thrust accidentally into a dynamic destiny and who accepts the exposure, the exposure, and who expects accepts the explosive challenge for it is he who will defy those destroyers and make them beware now, who the said creeper. stanley's the only one who could the coming play of play with hyperbole be verbose yeah he is verbosen now who's who's the writer on it uh it is steve ditko and dave siegel do i have my right siegels don siegel don siegel who directed uh, dirty harry I'm thinking no. What? I think you can. I think I'm looking up Don Siegel. No, one no I don't think he's the same one. Yeah, yeah, I think we're right. He did the Adventures of there Jerry Lewis and Detective Comics Volume One Four Forty Three. Oh yeah, of course. Yep, Jack so, Ryder. Sorry, I like I like the splash page right off the yes. bat. Uh, you know, it's, I went it's down a rabbit hole among all these giant faces. You kind of have a a, a half, yeah. half devil mask which, on a and half face. Which that's going to be a face we're going to see in the him book looks like too. It's Flint Marco behind the half Where? devil face guy. Okay? Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I do see the Sandman. And we have a sleeping Doctor Doom yeah. over his head. And then, and then oh, we have or a maybe Ernie Chan in the back. Hey, now, easy, easy. And then we have Clayface be right, getting ready to smooch his butt. Oh, wait, these are masks, never mind. But we see where this secret... Uh, the underworld gang of Angel Devlin finds internationally known scientist Professor Yahtzee. Yahtzee. And uh, <laughs> I've got Yahtzee. You've got Yahtzee. First We've all threes, got Yahtzee. Then I do threes. Then I do fours. Do you remember that commercial? It was a commercial for Yahtzee, and I it think had Tony so. Rand- yeah. Randall and Felix Unger on it. Tony Randall and Jack Klugman on it. And uh, you know, somebody asked the other night, what what do you what do you have to get to get Yahtzee? And I couldn't I, I remember. Is it all fives? It, but, but I remember in, in the in the commercial, Tony Randall oh. went, first I do the twos, then I do the threes, then I do the fours. And Jack Klugman was like, no, <laughs> you got to be bold. you got to be innovative. And Tony Randall's response was, I'd rather be neat. And then it, that was the end of the commercial. <laughs> you could probably, probably find that commercial on YouTube. I haven't sought it out, but I would imagine you could find it. Probably. Uh, and then after the doctor is kidnapped, we see Jack Ryder, um, the the bleh, outspoken TV host. Which actually, I played a um, DC was a DC Universe Online. I played for a little while. It was free on the PlayStation Four, and you would find certain things throughout Gotham or Metropolis. And sometimes it was it would be like snippets. And one of the things you would pick up was news reports, and it would have a guy doing a voiceover. You know, this is Jack Ryder. Blah 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 blah. I always thought that was kind of neat the way that uh, you would find those throughout the city. It was, it was like a th- it was a thing to find. They would be hidden on rooftops in different areas and stuff. And so, all right, I've completely taken this off the roof. Please, please, 
bring, bring me back, Paul. Okay. Well, I'm going to bring you back to, to I'm noticing Jack Ryder <laughs> with these people, and it's middle-aged Harry Osborne next to him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the guy with, uh, the guy that he's interviewing, or the guy that... The guy uh, who says, I demand an apology. When he's leaving. Oh, yeah, that guy. Oh, it looks like, more like, um, um, yeah, uh, well, I can't argue with wow. that. How how can you fight that? Not only that is that genuine yeah. frontier gibberish. The guy that plays uh, Clarence Boddicker. Yeah, he works he works for Dick Jones. You know, you know. I work for Dick Jones. I want an apology. You like, but you gotta love his pants, man. Woo! Oh yeah. That look at that oh, pattern. That's, that's the '60s and '70s coming back to haunt you. He's got that that swanky hat. Fedoras are coming back. Maybe. You know what? I think people have been trying to get the fedora to come back for 30 years, and it's just never going to become popular. I think some people could pull it off. Some people can't. I also, well, I think if if it just became popular enough that everybody could, but I think people are just too concerned about having a hat head, and I mm. think that's what prevents it. Doesn't stop my son. Of course, he's got a whole giant head of hair. Yeah. Well, no, baseball caps are different. No, no, he tries to wear a fedora. That's okay. On his big giant head of hair. Just on his giant melon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we got a guy down there uh, later. He's t- talking to you about you know the commies and the underworld and the CIA. Uh, talking to a guy in what looks like a leopard print jacket. Such fashion in, in this book. But even though it's the mundane, I still like. Um, the way Ditko, I mean, there's a fair amount of detail in here, and some of the backgrounds. There's there's still things going on in the background. It's not totally just you know a blank space. Mm-hmm. Showing the office, showing like way back in the background of one, one of the panels, you know, with the, when he's uh, got his his um, his hat hat and his jacket on, and he's talking to Boris Karloff that's smoking on a cigarette there. <laughs> That's what it looks like to me. Yeah, no, I, I agree. But there's a camera over his shoulder back in the background showing that he just came from the camera studio. So it's a nice little touch. And they're discussing, you know, uh, the criminal gang uh, that may have kidnapped Dr. Yahtzee. So then he sneaks out. Then this is where he picks up his costume because he's try- trying to figure out a way to get into the costume ball. We carry and, mostly uh, costumes for kitties, but I do have this box of odds and ends. And that's, uh, what's his name? Uh, again, Egghead? No, I was, think, I was thinking, uh, <laughs> what's his name? John Fiedler, uh, who's the voice of Winnie the Pooh. No, not Winnie the Pooh, the voice of Piglet. Sterling uh, Holloway <laughs> is the voice of uh, Winnie the Pooh. I was thinking more of Mr. Whipple from the Don't Squeeze the Charmin commercials. Please don't squeeze the costumes. So let's no? see. No mask, but this wig and makeup, my own mother wouldn't recognize me. Selden seriously sold me this wild old sheepskin rug, too. Well, I just use it for a cape. Gloves and boots, I'll tie up the tops to make sure they stay up. That's a pretty wild-looking <laughs> outfit. Like, how do you conceive of that as a look? Well, he even drew big giant eyebrows on, too. Because <laughs> he's not wearing a mask. Get some, that's a skin-tight costume, man. Woo. 
That thing's going to have to be creeping somewhere. It's, I'm creeped. <laughs> so he creeps into the party to where um, uh, I guess most of the crooks um, that are that are in there, they're already wearing uh, – like there's a one guy that's the half angel, half devil. Who's who's cleverly named Mr. Devlin. Named – yeah, Mr. – yeah. Isn't his name Devlin Angel? I'm not sure. Or Angel Devlin. Probably Angel, angel Devlin. Angel Devlin, yes. The Underworld Gang of a- Angel Devlin, yes. You can tell we've um, spent so much time researching this. He's, he's talking to Dr. Doom. <laughs> Doc- <laughs> yes, they subdued Dr. Doom. It's the Counter-Earth Dr. Doom. Mm. Who's, and then he's talking to a clown. <laughs> There's a lot of interesting costumes. What is... Uh, <laughs> I like the guy with the green... Uh, what is it? A, ma- like, a mouse? What is that, costume? a mouse? <laughs> I, I don't know what that is. But you know what? Ditko pulls them off and makes them look good. Well, you know, excuse me. When when you go to a costume affair, not everybody has a good costume. <laughs> some people no? some people go no. dressed as green mice. I'm a green mouse. <laughs> you got these, these, the one guy is as a monk. Then you got the uh, guy who looks like a, know, a what- medieval knight or something. Ah, yeah, I don't know. He looks more like like a like a minion of the controller, but that's that's Marvel. So, but a few pa- panels later, he gets uh, the jig is up because he f- figures out what's what uh, uh, Jack Ryder figures out what's going on, and uh, or they figure out that he's trying to s- sneak around, that he doesn't have an invite, and uh, and he gets a knife to the stomach. Oh, that's not. Ugh, got me Although, with knife. That uh, got me with, yeah, got me with knife. Although he's not bleeding, must be all bleeding un- under that costume. Just but on the inside. <laughs> and he finds pr- Professor Yahtzee. Come on, I'm I'm getting you out of here. But you're hurt. Oh, worry about that later. Got to move fast. Place is swarming with. Hoods. <laughs> so, Mr. Angel Devlin is still uh, telling everybody to look for him, you know, and but but they realize, ah, <laughs> meanwhile, he's trapped down there with Yahtzee. Now we got them both. And we got nothing to worry about. Counter Attack to Doom is not happy. You promised me no slips up, slip ups, De- Devlin. There had better not be. <laughs> and, uh,. The doc whips up a little. You know, this is kind of like, um, well, okay, it's a stretch. I was going to say it's kind of like the um, the origin for Iron Man in a way. He's I was I was actually thinking that same thing. It's like it's oh, like okay. Dr. I would think I was, to, I, was, I, think I was totally off base with that. I was like, what that that you're going to say? Are you high? What are you? Did you take? Well, you might be. What if you? You might be, but I had the same, <laughs> oh, okay. the same crazy thought. Yeah, because it's trapped with another doctor, and uh, although the creeper doesn't really have any any smarts or tech tech savvy, but what he lacks in that, he makes up in gumption. By God, he does have the gumption. I don't think any, yes, he's full of it. So this is where he gives him the formula and the activator, and. Uh, 
he tells him that the activator is says if perfected, this device will revolutionize mass transportation. It, it would rearrange the molecular structure of matter, making it weightless and invisible. Whole armies could be sent into foreign countries as normal tourists with their invisible uniforms and equipment. Then at the right moment, my device could be activated and the hidden army could be assembled for conquest. That is how my that is how my enemies hope to see it. I don't know if I want to. So, but you still have to transport all those people there. So, 50,000 guys just decide to go to a certain foreign country. Nothing going on here, just looking around. Nothing to see, just a man in a, in a suit and a hat. No gun. I'm not carrying... I'm not carrying a gun and a helmet and everything else. Look, Pay look no attention. you don't see no helmet, right? Dr. Yahtzee I mean, would help you, but, you know. I, I mean, uh, no, I mean, I don't got nothing. <laughs> I don't have Yahtzee, no. So he gives him the activator, and it's uh, actually, um, he, he shoves it in his wound. Yeah. <laughs> Here, put this someplace safe. Ah. <laughs> uh, he okay. says, uh, I, will, I shall implant in your wound. My enemies will never suspect it is there. Even if you cannot escape, in any case, they will not obtain my secrets. I would rather have them die with us. Yeah, thank you. I, I'm kind of hoping to live here, Doc. Yeah, I'd like to live. And he says, I have placed the device in your, in your wound, but I forgot to add the activator for it. Here, when you feel that escape is impossible, swallow it. <laughs> now I must destroy my notes and all my equipment. Say, how does this work? And all of a sudden, poof, his costume is gone. You you activated the device in your wound. You've made your costume invisible. My activator works. Now turn it up. You know, now turn it back on. Because nobody, nobody wants you, to see your naked ass in here. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I guess he is. <laughs> he's standing there naked. So uh, apparently there was a thug down there with him who comes to and uh, this guy decides he's got to stop him. And much like Dr. Erskine with the uh, the cap formula, or Dr. he Jensen. gets a bullet. Or Dr. Jensen. Or anybody else who had any doctors. technological advancement. All the good doctors. In the, Mar- the only ones yeah. who left are the Doom and Savannah. Octopus. Yeah. Druid. Oh, wait. Sorry. He's not a villain. He just sucks. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, now he finds that he seems to have added strength, too, due to the serum. So now he's got advanced strength. He can hide his costume at will. Uh, and he's like, poor old guy's dead. He helped me more than I helped him. I owe him. I owe it to him to save his creations. And um, I don't know where the smoke's coming from. Is it like a byproduct? There is I, I, smoke. I, there is fire. There's creeper. Wait, no, that doesn't make any sense. So the creeper, poop pop poo, fights his way with a voomzonk womp. Voomzonk womp. Yeah, when they open the door, it's a crack. <laughs> so, uh. Oh, okay. So as he's leaving the theater, is. The theater. Leaving the costume party. Theater costume. You see what I did there. Um, the actual honest guests that were at the party think he's a crook. Yeah, because the they're blaming guy him for that thief. Stop him! He robbed my safe. 
Yeah. Now, I really like this image of him bursting through the glass. I like the way the lines on his body create kind of the shadow. Oh, yeah. And it's also kind of the, you know, the backlighting so that he's obscured. Backlit on the cape. Yeah, because it's lighter because he's leaping out of the uh, out of the building. So the light source is behind him. And yeah, and he's maybe the the foot should have been a little darker, but uh, but yeah, well listen to me. Okay, I'm gonna you know tell Steve Ditko how to draw. What a dick. Go. That was a bad joke. So back to the party where Mouse Man is helping up Ra's al Ghul. <laughs> Middle aged Ra's al Ghul, really old, not cool Ra's al Ghul. It was Doctor Wetley. I'm sorry, Dr. Wedley. He's a common thief. He lit a fire to cover his escape. Oh, that's where the smoke was coming from. Don't worry. My house staff will catch him. House staff? Jeez. He shan't get away with such a murderous attack. There's no place in the world for such actions. (laughs) And then uh, Angel Devlin in his devil angel mask. Whoever he is, he must be silenced. He knows too much. We we can't have the police around here. So now the cops are going to want him. And the crooks want him. So... He's kind of got that Batman theme going on. Although, you know, Commissioner Gordon never really, you know, went after Batman if he could help it. Although, technically, he was a vigilante. But the Creeper's not being given such, uh, at least at this point, he's, you know, he hasn't earned that rep. So he's he's having to dodge everybody. And um, he gives uh, cops and crooks alike the slip. And poof. He's naked again, <laughs> and he's back in his street clothes. And a cop's like, "Hey, hold it, Mac!" And he's like, uh, "Which the first thing he says is, you have the wrong man." <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> some other when, some other guy in a creeper outfit. When the uh, the cop d- doesn't say, "Hey, hold it," are you that creeper guy? <laughs> He just says, hold it, Mac. And the first thing he says is, you have the wrong man. Wouldn't that automatically make you... Hey, wait a minute. I didn't ask you anything. <laughs> the guy says, stop. I didn't steal nothing. <laughs> I ain't got nothing. I'm not the creeper. And, <laughs> uh, and then the cop's like, I, I suppose so. You couldn't have changed out of that costume so fast. Not with that sheepskin rug around your neck. Oh, I wouldn't be caught dead in an outfit like that. I'd like to keep my eye on that. But I'd keep my eye on that house if I were you. Sounds pretty wild. Do, 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 do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the cops are at the house, and uh, Dr. Druid is giving, uh, or middle-aged Raza Ghoul, Dr. Whitley, whatever, is giving, you know, I demand action. The terrible person who attacked me must be caught. Blah, 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 blah. And the cops have now called him that creeper character. So he's now been given a name. So, and that's where Jack Ryder figures out, hey, some of the guests are missing. The ones the police would suspect they might be hiding. Um, uh, the ones the police would suspect they might be hiding in that secret room. Maybe I can flush them out before the cops go. Uh, he changes back into the creeper and goes back um inside but he doesn't find anything another, another, so another good, good shot of uh, down at the bottom of the page where he's running along and yeah that's a lot better with the with uh, the darkness it's just it's and just that, so it is I mean not to be 
overusing the word, but it's creepy looking. Well, you know what I noticed? Okay, the all these panels, these five panels with that sheepskin rug thing. Mm-hmm. I wonder if uh, I wonder if this could have been a inspiration for Todd McFarlane's Spawn cape. Hmm. That's possible. See how it's going everywhere. Yeah. I mean. Literally, it's going in the next to last panel. It's going across his face at one point, and that's a nice face shot there too. And then, and then the one before that, it's all whipping around in front of him. Right. It's 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 very fluid. Yes, that's a good word for it. So we cut back into uh, the hidden room where mm-hmm. uh, Counter Attack the Doom takes off his mask. <laughs> He's all sweaty. It's uh, Major Schmegel. Schmegel. Schme- I, I like Schmegel. Schmegel. And then there's, in the background, there's a cackling laughter as. There's a pirate. As the Keeper comes bursting in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's that thing again. Kill him, kill him. Aye! Ugh. Love the Aye's. That's, that's a good panel, too. Mm hmm. I really like that one. I'm going to post it on the Back to the Bins page. So if anybody's interested, you could see some of the stuff here. Uh, you know, when you're listening to this, if you look to the Back to the Bins page, I'm posting a couple of different images from this from this book and from the Doctor Strange book. Not the whole thing. Can't do that. But a couple of panels here and there. Right. So he's, like, really making a lot of noise, kicking all, all their asses to try to give them away and um, in the hopes of drawing the cops down there. And um, he, like, knocks out the lights, and he's taking guys out left and right in the darkness, which, even in the, in the dark, he looks creepy. <laughs> it's a creepy creeper. And uh, he goes after Schmegel. <laughs> Dr. Schmegel to you. I didn't, I, didn't go, Major I didn't go four years to evil doctor school. To be called Mr. Oh, he, he was just a maid, major schmegel. Oh, okay. Not a doctor. So he gets knocked out. Uh, and I guess they're 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 shooting at him. I mean, the way he moves is very. It's not like Batman. To when Batman fights. Well, when like, Bat- when Batman fights, there's a weight to him. This this is right. this is almost like he's, you know, like he's almost weightless, just jumping around like a gymnast. Yeah, but it still had like a like a, almost like a court jester type, like he's like, kind of like Toad in, the Brotherhood of Evil, like the way he just kind of leaps over people, like he's he's not. It's almost like it's not. Human. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the second part of the, I guess, the formula that the doctor gave him. Gives him the strength yeah. and, I guess, the agility. Mm-hmm. And he's just laughing hysterically all through the thing. Just, And I guess that really throws everybody off. Um, so they've all, at one point, they've all got uh, flashlights out, and they're still trying to find him, and he's just bouncing and jumping all over the place and there's another shot where he takes out two guys at once yeah it's a where nice he jumps up between them and he just like brings his fist down boof and takes them both out so 
so Devlin's still trying to get away. Angel Devlin. And uh, <laughs> he's got some bad puns, too. Uh, he, like, chucks a tire at him. I I hope this won't tire you. <laughs> That's a bad pun. That's good. Yeah, you know. And then uh, he loses um, – the silencer fall, falls off the gun. So now the cops finally hear all the shots that have been going out uh, in, in inside the house. Uh, Devlin's run out of bullets. Creeper's creeping in, and he's just getting more and more creepy looking as he's getting closer. And, um, and he's doing the mad cackling laugh <laughs> as, as he's approaching him. Yeah. You're not human. Stay away. And uh, he jumps up, he unmasks him, um, and actually Devlin gets in a good kick. And it, like, I don't know if that's even, you know, that would if I did that, I'd be in a lot of pain the next day. Yeah, I think so. Because <laughs> he's basically doing, uh, yeah, that's like a split, yeah, pretty but he's much. he's falling backward and. Brings his leg up and kicks the creeper in the chest. Yeah, we, uh, Paul's not. Paul can't be. Paul can't come out for a while. He's gonna be laid up. <laughs> Paul's he's gonna be laid up for a couple of weeks until his groin heals. <laughs> yeah. So, the cops see the creeper getting away and they come in and it says the joint's loaded with unconscious hoods. Somebody had a field day, but the hoods got poor yats here first. Halt in the name of the law. Stop. And they're trying to get um, Jack Ryder. But I guess Jack now has figured out how to keep his clothes on. And as the cop leans out the window, because Jack has changed back to his civilian guys. And he's like, I just saw the weirdest looking guy, officer. He was wearing long underwear and hair down to his knees. He went up on the roof. So uh, the cops find a secret room. And... Basically, it's like, well, why do they call him the Creeper? And uh, Jack Ryder's there, and he says, because he creeps. Why else? And then later, the Underworld is uh, wants to get the Creeper. They're having a meeting of all the... Uh, Looks like the heads of the five know. families. Yeah, see? Yeah. Except there's six guys there. <laughs> and City Hall. Yeah, see? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody wants the Creeper. And then meanwhile, back in his quiet apartment, uh, <laughs> Jack Ryder discovers that his wound is healed and he can't get the implant. He can't get the activator out. It's just below the surface. And he has the a activator you know, in his hand and he's able to turn, ch change himself back and forth from the costume. Now, can he take that costume off and wash it? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Like, It's almost like when he, when he makes like, it appear it's just part of his body now and not because it's doing the face makeup too yeah i, I don't it's, know it's like the whole thing i, I don't know I, I assume he can take it off but wouldn't that kind of destroy the whole uh the whole purpose yeah so uh he's like well you know i'll you know, he says, well, uh, he, he entrusted his secrets to me. He was afraid they'd fall in the wrong hands. Maybe I should just keep them myself. Then I can make sure they'll be properly used because only I will able to be, be able to use them. That's a little bit hubris there. Yeah. Only I should, you know, because I know what's right. The next morning, the last will, uh, Jack's back in his office. And I think this is what you were t t talking about um, 
with some of the shadows and shading because he's got um, his hat on. And this is, you know, what, 1968. So it's kind of hard to do some shadows, not like they can do not nowadays with the coloring effects, but he just, like, draws a few lines, darkened lines down over his face to show his hat over his, you know, over his brow. No, that's fine, kind of but that's really not what I'm talking about. I was talking about, like, there's... Uh, Early, early, you know, early appearances of Doctor Strange where they have him like in a dark area, and you know, you, part of his face is obscured by shadows, and you just see. Part oh of yeah. It. You know, he mm. he was really really good at that, and you know, just kind of using mood lighting to set the right tone for, you know, whatever location he was in. There's nothing wrong with what you're pointing out, but it's just not the same mm-hmm. point that I was trying to make. Oh okay, I got you. So basically, uh, they're like, is um, it? The laws of conform, and so and so is the underworld. If that creeper smart, he'll fade right out of the picture. I'll bet that's the last we hear of him. And uh, Jack smiles. Says, don't don't be so sure. A guy that popular, he'd be a fool to fold up his act while he's such a hot item. Say, maybe he needs a good manager. A hot item? He's blazing. The creeper will return and soon. The end. Steve did and go, then there's like lightning strikes again. Lightning. The hawk and the dove coming soon. Now that issue was actually two issues later, and we've covered that on bins. Mm. So I would refer you to that for some more Steve Ditko talk. So to do some ratings, do we have any other discussions on this, or we pretty much said them as we went through? I think we kind of hit it up, hit on it as we went through. I. I don't think I have any other points other than uh, I think the creep is kind of a cool character. He's certainly you know B list. He's not you know he's not a an A list guy. Maybe even C list depending on how you view it. But uh, mm. you know enjoyable. That's 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 my take on him. You know when I say I'm a fan of the character, it's every time I've had an opportunity to be exposed to him, I've enjoyed it. Whether it was you know this or uh, you know when we, when we did a the first issue of Beware the Creeper, or if you go to, uh, you know, when he appeared on uh, JLA, uh, what was it? Not- oh, uh, 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 JLA Unlimited? Unlimited, yeah. Or JLU. Or JLU. Just- Justice League Just- Unlimited. Right, okay. So, you know, but whatever format it was in, I've, I've kind of always just enjoyed the character. So that's that's my take on it. But uh, I guess it's time to rate. All right. Well, right, we have right, a cover right. for this one. Right, right, right. So we have a cover. Um, hmm. Not really sure on this cover. It's uh, for the time. It's a pretty. Well, I'm trying to put myself in the time frame of, of 1968, which I wasn't born yet. So that's. Not that easy to do. So, um, oh, I just noticed one of the pieces of paper on the cover has Ditko's signature on it. Mm-hmm. See it? Yep. Sorry. Uh, I would have to say it's a. Hmm. I think maybe if the creeper had been in a slightly different pro- pose, I'd give it the A. But I'm going to go with a B plus A minus. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, the interior art I have no qualms I didn't see anything that was really off or just you know 
any anatomy that was screwed up. I mean, the 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 fluidity of the of his fighting style and it's actually of his his cape. I have to give the interior art an A, and it was it was interesting to find out. Even though the 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 origin is a little, I don't want to say it's m- totally mundane, but it is. It's not earth shattering or cosmic breaking like some some origins are. I still have to give it. I'm going to give it an A. So overall, this book is an A for me. All right, fair enough. I'm going to say. I know it's not just because we're discussing an artist who's passed on. Well, I'm going to. You know, you said an A minus b plus on the cover i'm actually going to give the cover an a I, I think it's pretty cool i think it gets it gets the image it does create the this is a hero slash villain similar to the joker but i think they want to give you that feel and i think i think they do i think that is what the character is meant to be um mm. the interior art i like i think there's a lot that's solid about it i don't think it's quite as strong as as the artwork that we saw in the Doctor Strange book just before this. So I'm going to say an A- minus mm. on the interior art. And the story... story seems to kind of go from clever to cliche and back and forth a little bit. Mm. So I'm going to say a B-plus on the story, and overall I'm going to give this an A-. minus. Okay. So, you know, that's it. I, uh, you know, Steve did go has been kind of a recluse or had been kind of a recluse for, I don't know how many years. Uh, even the people who had exposure to him, you know, kind of indicated that he, he really wasn't big on talking, you know, to them. So, you know, his passing is sad. He was 90 years old. So, I mean, I guess you kind of say that's a good run. Uh, you know, unless it's you, in which case you say, well, no, I'd like a little more time. Um, but, you know, I, 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 I'm thankful for what he's brought to my enjoyment of a hobby that I've had almost my whole life. So I, 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 I mourn his passing for that reason. Mm. Any, any final thoughts? Um. And that's where we'll go out. <laughs> thanks <laughs> no I like this I liked uh, I think these I mean if you had also brought a Spider-Man book it would have I think showed the contrast in his style for the everyday um, versus the versus the the magical or the I mean because Steve Ditko also did a lot of um sci-fi and uh, horror stories too. Steve Ditko drew the book that introduced us to the term you're a cube. <laughs> if you remember. Yes, I do. I do remember that. You know, it's it's <laughs> I mean the the biggest area that Steve Ditko or the biggest contribution he's given to me as a comic collector was Spider-Man. No question about it. It's not even close. Mm-hmm. But like we said in the beginning, you know, he there's going to be a lot of Spider-Man retrospective Steve Ditko shows out there so we want it to be a little bit different i don't think we're you know too far different but we're you know just giving something Mm -hmm. a little bit different than what you're getting elsewhere so uh you know thank you again to steve ditko for what he did and especially for spider-man i mean that really is uh you know i kind of lost sight of him when i realized how much i enjoyed john romita's work 
when I started collecting Spider-Man, Ross Andrew was doing it. I appreciated his work. Then I was going back issues, and I was picking up a lot of John Romita and Steve Ditko books. And uh, at the time, I appreciated Romita more, and I still prefer Romita, but I just really enjoy the creativity of Ditko. It will be missed. Yep. And that's it for this week. We'll see you next time with an all new. Take care, everybody. All new. You can't steal Andy's stuff. <laughs> I could steal whatever I want. Next time. Wait. Oh, now, now I stole it. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old fashioned comic book back issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks. And we'll see you next week. Good night, Mr. Robinson.